Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 71. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week we're talking about the 2015 horror film, The Vivitch. By Robert Eggers. Or The Witch, I guess. is the... I don't know how we're supposed to say it. I feel like when I Google it, it actually is The Witch. Yeah. But also... I think no. people who aren't obnoxious like us do say the witch. <laughs> but I'm obnoxious and I will say the vivitch for the rest of this episode. Every time. The end. As we discussed last time, uh, neither of us like this movie as much as the rest of the horror community. And we should say, I think we should start even before that, we should say that most people know this movie. Yeah. This is one of the better and known... love it. Fa- like, people who would listen to a podcast like ours probably have seen this movie. Yeah. A24 got this out there and like on people's radars they did. And, and it's not even that it was like there's no it mean robert eggers was not a well-known director this was his first movie there was no one in this movie who was super well known anya taylor joy was not famous. she's not even that famous now yeah this was her first movie so like i think compared to something like hereditary which again a24 also turned into like a mini sensation that at least had names and it's a flashier like more, yeah. It's it's a it's a bigger m- movie. It's a modern st- it's a modern story, which means that people are going to be more, I think, able to watch and connect to it versus this being not like just a period, Puritan. not just period. This is a very the witch is a very like slow, yes, and a distant time that people can't necessarily connect to. See, I don't I don't even think it's about relatability. I not think really, it's because, like, stylistically, this is a cold movie. I, w- I didn't want to go so far as to be like, it's more interesting when movies take place in the modern day, and they're boring when people are like, oh, thou thou beest my mother. Like That's, people, a, psych- that's, that's a psychotic opinion. That's just, people just get bored by that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, dumb people. Eh, I think it's boring. <laughs> you're, the, like, the number one fan of Pride and Prejudice, so I don't know what the fuck it's, you're talking about. Oh my about. god, there's, like, a 200-year difference. I don't know what you're talking about. This movie takes place in the 1600s. You're saying that people don't want to go see... The 1600s are boring. When people talk and they say thoust, it's boring. Tell that to the king. I I will. Which takes place well before that. That movie was also boring for about 45 minutes. So, like, I I rest my case. If it takes place before the 1700s, it's boring. That's... You know what? I'm just going to put it out there and say it. Again, bonkers take. The greatest story I've ever told. (laughs) Oh, boy. A lot of people saw and liked this movie. We were not really among them. No. I think partially due to the hype. I think that it kind of... I also of... just put myself on blast that this movie is boring, so... Uh, it was. It would have had to be really, really, really good to both outweigh the things about it that I think are inherently boring and bad, and also be better than the hype, and it just... I, it was up against a lot, I think. I think in, in, in rewatching this, I mentioned on the last episode that I, I watched this on Halloween, actually, right before you and I went to go see The Lighthouse, Robert Eggers' new mm-hmm. movie, which we should talk about a little later in the episode. Sure. Uh, and then it was rolled on the roulette, and so I watched it again for the podcast, and I like this movie more every time I watch it. I still don't think that it's the the masterpiece that I think that a lot of, again, our, our horror peers tend to think it is. Mm-hmm. But I think that I appreciate more of what Robert Eggers is doing. And I think I appreciate this movie more post The Lighthouse. Because I think I get more of this sort of, like, historical... Vibe, yeah. Like, in, in another life, uh, he's just, like... Robert Eggers is just a dramaturg. Like, that is his passion. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, I listened to an interview with him. I don't remember if it was on The Big Picture or if it was uh, um, the DGA thing that he did. But 
he talked about how if he wasn't making movies the way that he does, where he puts in all this research and, you know, really goes balls to the wall on Mm -hmm. making it accurate and, and specific, that he wouldn't be making movies. He would be writing books. About yeah. these things. Because think, the research is, like, really fulfilling to Yes, him. and I think both of these movies dig into, like, the reason they work so well in the past. Um, not the same... These movies, not the same right, time no. period. But, the, but in the past, before, um, you know, modern day, it's people were so bored. There was this... There was genuinely this inherent yeah. boredom and this, like cabin fever kind of feeling in both of these movies true um about people who just go unbelievably haywire because they're stuck with these same people and there might be a supernatural influence or there might not be but whatever it is it's about people at their worst because they've been confined absolutely i do think we should uh for the sake of the listeners who maybe don't want the lighthouse spoiled for them we're gonna talk about the lighthouse later and i'm gonna put in a timestamp in the description because this episode is coming out when a lot of people in the world don't necessarily have access to the lighthouse yeah. yet um and i think you should probably see the lighthouse if you're interested in this kind of thing in in the witch if this if this is a masterpiece to you as again i expect it probably is uh <laughs> you should see the lighthouse or maybe you've already seen the lighthouse i don't know but in terms of like reevaluating this i appreciate it more did you appreciate it more i did raise it a half star uh, on upon this second viewing, but it went from a three to a three and a half. So like, it's not. That's a good movie. It's a it's above average. Yeah. I certainly didn't hate it, and I didn't hate it the first time either. I actually remember leaving the theater and saying a lot of things I liked about it, and I'll bring it up later. But there's really there's really just one giant inherent flaw in this movie for me that it's not. There's nothing anyone can do about it. It was Robert Eggers' uh, decision to make the movie this way, but it's, I will always hate it. I will just... Th- this very specific element, and the rest of the movie could have been the greatest movie I've ever seen, and there's just this one part of it that I cannot stand. You say you're going to talk about it later, but uh, knowing what you're going to talk about, is it not? <laughs> is it not the first scene of the movie? No. The first scene? No. It's do- nine minutes in, I actually clocked it. Oh, is it that far? The baby eating? Yeah, it's nine minutes in. I thought it was the opening. Does it open with them being evicted? Oh, no. Okay. You went to the grocery store during the beginning of this movie, didn't you? I did. Okay, that's why. Again, um, because I just watched it yes, all week. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it turns out you can't remember anything. Uh, nine minutes take place before the baby disappears. They are getting kicked out of their Puritan town. Which I want to talk to you about because, despite having watched this three weeks ago, I don't remember why. They don't really say why. Okay. Honestly, I was waiting for it also, and they didn't really say, and I was confused because I felt like the first time I watched it, I had a better idea of why he got kicked out, but I don't remember the dialogue. I mean, again, uh, the dialogue is, like, so <laughs> biblical. I just can't. Again, yeah, they just... It's from primary sources, yeah. as the title oh. at the end tells us. All the dialogue, or not all of it, but a lot of the dialogue is literally taken from 1600s text. I certainly have no issue with... The commitment. The to... commitment and the historical accuracy. Like, good for you, Robert Eggers, killing it. I just can't understand a single word they're saying. Um, I don't think we can even imitate it. Like, the way they talk is bonkers. No, I'm just, again, I'm just, stops. Like, stop whatever, saying doused. What, whatever Shakespearean, like, uh, sentence and, and word construction 
you might expect, it's always another level removed well, from, and, like, it, it's crazy. And the thing about, not to get too far off track, but the thing about Shakespeare is that it is unintelligible, most of it, um, and that when you act Shakespeare, you have to communicate uh, what you're doing with facial expressions and gestures, and that is, like, the best way to communicate Shakespeare, because it's poetry, and a lot of poetry is unintelligible as dialogue, uh, so you have to communicate it with a lot of other scene work, and in the first scene of this movie, we're not even seeing anybody's faces. We're just in a courtroom. We don't even see the dad's face. He's just saying, the Lord is going to punish you or some shit. Yeah. And Julian Richings, who I was actually excited to see, he plays Death on Supernatural. I did not recognize him the first time that I saw this movie. Um, love seeing him. And he's just saying something about how you guys are cursed and I don't even... I like literally have no idea. But then they're banished. They all go off on their little cart together. Um, and they come to this house and all of this up to this point, I was like, I'm kind of in, like, I, I was like, I don't, rem I remember this being worse. Like right. I'm enjoying myself. It can't be the opening because they still have Sam. Yeah. The baby. The baby. Yeah, they yeah, still yeah. have the baby when they move to their remote Correct. cabin. Yes. You're they right. have the baby. And like I, the one of the first notes I have is just like, oh my God, they have way too many children. This is what happens in a world without birth control, I guess. Yeah. Like, they just have so many kids, and... I mean, also, the Bible told them to multiply. Yeah. So, up until this point, I am, like, I'm I'm actually genuinely in. I'm, I'm fascinated by this historical accuracy. I... Anya Taylor-Joy is already giving a great performance. Like, you're already seeing this family being exiled to this, like, terrifying plain wilderness... And they're alone. It's not terrifying. That's the thing that it I... It is all... I will tell you, it is already terrifying. The score that already comes in as they are uh, in their little ca uh, cart, like, motoring away, it's already that really heavy, like, string score. Yeah. And so immediately, I feel Robert Eggers is setting up the idea that the horror is this exile. I mean, it, it is... But I think specifically the location is so bland, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's all these like whites and grays. I mean, yeah. like the the literal plants that are like outside their apartment, like their apartment. Their apartment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, their uh, cabin. Are you okay recording right now? You seem very scattered. Uh -uh. Outside their cabin are like they're not green. They're basically gray. It's yeah, the filter that's, that's like on the corn. whole movie. It's like white corn. When they go to yeah, the yeah, river, yeah. like the river is just so gray and dead. White. I mm -hmm. think that like horrifying is not the word I would use because it seems so mundane. And it's the but horror in the, the mundanity of it's the their life. It's the horror in the mundanity and I think that's what I'm that's what I crave in this movie. To get into what I hate about this movie, it's that I want a movie about the horror in the mundanity. We'll get into it like later as we go through this No, plot. let's talk about like, it now. I don't think that like this movie doesn't have enough uh, plot to justify doing like a real plot recap. Sure. Because uh, we don't have to talk about every incident in which uh, Thomason's family is mean to her. <laughs> like, it's true. So I think we should talk about again. Sure. We're, we're kind of operating on the assumption that people know this movie. Sorry if you haven't, but yeah. to to do like literally a five second recap, Thomason's family is mean to her. Thomason is uh, the oldest daughter. The oldest daughter. Um, their baby. The youngest baby, who's like a newborn, gets stolen away by a witch and eaten. They don't know what happened because they don't know like that it's literally right. a witch. And Thomason plays pranks on her younger siblings that make them think that she is the witch. So they tell the parents, and then the parents are like, you are a witch. And then they lock up all the kids. One of the other kids goes missing, too. 
uh, and then they lock them all up, and then... Turns out the... the devil is real, The devil is a goat living in their barn. Actually kills all of them. Actually kills all of them. Except, except for Thomason. Thomason, who signs the devil's... Her name into the devil's book, and goes and joins a coven of witches, and they all fly into the air in a bonfire together. The end. Let's talk about... Okay. I hate... Specifics. I hate the witch. <laughs> Not the titular witch. I got like... I don't, it is the titular witch. I don't witch. hate the movie, but I hate the titular witch. Um... The literal second. Okay, actually, no. I will. I'm gonna pinpoint this even more specifically. There's a great scene in which Thomason is playing with the baby, um, and she is looking down on him, and he's on the ground, and she's playing peekaboo with him, and she'll yell boo, and the baby will scream yeah. with giddy laughter, and then she yells boo, and her face, Anya Taylor Joy, great acting performance. Her face changes because the baby is just missing, and there's no like, it's obviously not like. Oh, a wolf came and took him. No, you would see a wolf approaching yeah. and then dragging the baby away. The baby's just gone. And I literally, the moment that she looks off into the woods and the trees rustle, that is like the moment this movie ends for me. Because right after that, you see the Vivich. She is naked. She is grinding up something in her little hut. She smears baby blood all over her and they like dances around. And that is the moment that I physically and mentally check out of this movie. Goodbye. I no longer care. That is so bonkers dumb to me that I just like can't even express it. Let's let's get I, into that. I feel like I'm being gaslit every time someone tells me this movie's good because of this scene. Because I'm like, where's the nuance? Where what's interesting about this? I just, oh my god. So I agree with you yeah. that I think that that's a misguided. I think that that and the specific the ending couple shots. The aforementioned uh, coven dancing around a fire sequence mm -hmm. are the the most misguided part of this movie. I agree. I just think that like what you're talking about in terms of the movie ends for you once it's introduced. I think that the bulk of this movie is what you want. Correct. It is. It is actually minute to minute a family driving each other insane. Yes, which I love. And I personally, the same way that I love the second half of Hereditary, that it's about an actual demon. I love that the devil is literally there influencing them, influencing this family. <sighs> I, don't I don't need the witch, but I think it's dope as hell that the devil is there driving them insane. Specifically the two youngest God. children that he has decided he's is going to do his bidding. They're so interesting. And that's the thing. I think that like... Jonas and Mercy. Jonas, Jonas and Mercy. I love the way they say I... Mercy in this movie. <laughs> Mercy. Well, it's so funny. They're so fresh from England still. I always forget about that. That, like, Thomason lived in England. Yeah. That's so wild. Uh, I... Other elements of this movie that could not exist without the supernatural, I do like. I think Jonas and Mercy being these little devil's playthings... The two actors playing these twins, they're like five years old. Yeah. They're so scary. They make me so angry. I'm filled with rage whenever they speak because they're so young and they're such psychos. Absolutely. Uh, the, way that, the way that children can be. Yes, because, because they have been won over and because they're doing a very like Salem Witch Trials thing and like faking that Thomason is controlling them even though she's not, which is always just so terrifying to be a person in this world and be framed for something and have absolutely no proof that you're not hurting these children, but they're claiming that you are and everyone, your family's looking at you like, stop, and it's just terrifying. I mean, it's not just that. I think that that's part of what I think is brilliant about this movie is that it is, so much of it is just like run-of-the-mill cruelty. We have no sense of actually why everyone is so mean to Thomason. 
It's because she's the oldest daughter. That's what happens. That's what's mean to you. Oh, is that what it happens? It goes all the way back to the 1600s, baby. Uh, <laughs> you take the fall for everything. I speak from experience. But, like, the way that, of course, she must be the one who stole the cup, but it's not. It's her yes. father. And but she's, she like, bewitching all the men in the family. Like, it's it's that, like, horrifying, like, pseudo-sexual Oedipal kind of thing of, yeah. like, her mother sees her as a direct competitor to both her husband and her sons, which is obviously horrifying and insane but that's how people felt back then because thomason is like coming into her body as a woman and her mother just wants her off the farm she's like yeah. go g- give her to another family we can't handle another woman around here <laughs> which is so horrifying but it's very true to the reality of that time yeah and that's something that i really like about it is that like for example when the ribbing that you're talking about um anya taylor joy gives this like I am that very witch. I am the witch of the wood. I did X, Y, Z. And she starts straight up beating up on her five-year-old sister, which killed me. I was but like, you guys, The brilliance of it, and it's an incredible performance. I think she's so good when she she's gets so angry good. and frenzied. Mm-hmm. But it's such, it feels to me such a like normal big sister thing. Mm-hmm. Even if they didn't live in fear of God and witches, that like, she's just fucking with her little sister. Yeah. Uh, and it feels but so... But it has these horrifying consequences. Like, right. she but just wants shouldn't. to be able... She just wants to be able to mess with her sister, and later on when it comes back to bite her, and her dad, they're like, Thomason said she was the witch. She's like, I was joking. Yeah. <laughs> like, Dad, are you kidding me? So yes, this movie does have that um, feeling of being really set in its time period and truthful to the time period, but also having that feeling of, like, all families is the same. Yeah. So I I think that balance is really good. Again, this movie is made up of beautiful components. I don't want to act like... I know I said the movie was over for me, but, like, it wasn't. I took a lot of notes. I'm fascinated by all of their inter- interpersonal relationships. And honestly, the dad just locking all of them up in the barn at the end, I was like, relatable. Like, sometimes you just got to do that to your kids. Just be like, you guys got to sit in this room and work it out. Uh, but of course, horrifying real world implications because of this witch. Right. So, I don't know. I just like, I think I want it to be a like a similar script. And very, like, the same kind of cinematography and, like, vibe and feeling. The production design. Production design is incredible. Again, the score I mentioned earlier, brilliant. I just don't want this fucking witch. I think actually, so, like... can we get into that, like, a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you also said you didn't like that um, Satan is there. I mind, want, it, I mind it less. I mind want, it less. Do you, is your perfect version of this movie no supernatural elements at all, and they're literally just... It's just cabin fever? Yes. And they all murder each other? Yes. Okay. I mean, I, I don't think that's... Yes, and like, and maybe like the end, it ends with Thomason killing her mother. Lizzie Borden style. Well, exactly, no, exactly what happens, where her mother is trying to strangle her, and she ends up kind of clubbing her with yeah. this knife. Wonderful scene, like horrifying and sad. And then we, we see her uh, get up, she's covered in blood, she goes into her house and like sits at the table, and, it, and then everything after that is the devil stuff. That's when she gets up close well, to the barn. It could have ended there for me... As a, even as a, like, who knows the truth? Like, well, maybe I, this, maybe it was real, maybe it wasn't. That is my, the movie that I want. I think the important distinction between what you're talking about, which I think what you're talking about is a darker movie. Because yeah. we are meant to, if not identify with, like, really appreciate Thomason at the end. We understand why she has chosen oh, we to sign her soul away. A hundred percent. But I, I, I don't know that it, we would be able to if she killed all her siblings, if we saw her murder her siblings, because she does not do that. And I think that's important 
if we're going to have any joy in her ascendancy. Specifically, I guess, yeah. Well, um, Caleb is her younger brother? Yes. Caleb's story makes no sense in what I'm talking about. Unless he wanted to do some kind of story where he was... Driven mad by horniness? Well, he goes into the woods and he wanders around for a couple days and gets... I don't know. I don't know how, if, if it was called hypothermia, but like he's starving and then he hallucinates. You could kind of do that aspect, right? Sure. Or like you're right that Jonas and Mercy are the would be the they would have to have some other way to die. I mean, we know what happens to them, but we don't like Robert Eggers doesn't even show us anything no. happening to these because five year old kids. It would be horrible if we saw them get murdered. Yeah. Um, although we did see her chop up a baby. But and I think again, like the movie you're talking about, I would also enjoy. I just think it's so fucking dark. I guess I'm just more interested in that. I'm yeah. more interested. I think that there's been a lot of attempts lately, and I don't hate them all, a lot of attempts lately to put a supernatural face on a human crime. Like, I just read a book called The Hunger uh, last year um, by Amakatsu that is about, basically, they never call them this, but Wendigos being responsible for the Donner Party. Oh. Um, and it still involves cannibalism, because that's basically that's how what you Wendigo, Wendigo is. Yeah. But it's this like, oh, no, 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 it wasn't people. It was this like horrifying Native American creature. And like, I think that there is an instinct to want to do that. And I think it's a good instinct because it's interesting. It's it's fun. I thought you could say you don't like that. And I was like, that's way no, more interesting. I like it in a lot of instances. Um, but it, it the reality is darker, right? The reality of like, you go completely insane, um, stuck in the winter somewhere and you kill people or you... You know, your your family, the family drives each other crazy, and yeah. that's just what happens. But I am inherently more interested in the horror of everyday life. And I yeah. think that's just, like, my own personal, like, you mentioned Hereditary. And Hereditary why? and Midsommar, outside of any supernatural aspect, deal with the horror of being a human being and, like, having horrible things happen to you or doing horrible things. And I, as much as I love the supernatural stuff... And I like it in a lot of instances. I am I'm so much more interested in people being horrifying. <laughs> sure. I mean, you love Scream more than anything else. I do. I love a slasher movie more than a supernatural horror. Yeah. Basically every time. While we're on the topic of the supernatural stuff, do you want to get it all into like motive and stuff like that? Sure. Because I'm curious, watching this again, what the... One, what the witch is doing. What is the mm-hmm. witch trying to accomplish? Two, what is the connection between the witch and Black Phillip slash Satan? Uh-huh. Um, I feel like I have an answer for the first one. Really? Because I feel like I have an answer for the second one, which is that the the Satan in the form of Black Phillip is just recruiting more witches to worship him? Yeah. Uh, what is the fir- What is the witch doing? She's um, making herself youthful. That's why when she comes to the little boy, when she comes to Caleb, she's hot. Why does she kill everyone but Thomason? The witch? Yes. She doesn't. She only kills Sam. She kills Sam, she kills Caleb, and then she kills Jonas and Mercy. She kills Caleb by, like, basically poisoning him. He, like, coughs up an apple, and then he sort of, he has this very, we should talk about that, by the way, Caleb's death scene, because I really felt it the same. I love it, yeah. Um, And then we see her, like, in the barn. I forgot that she was in the barn. I forgot she was in the barn. And then Jonas and Mercy are gone, again, it's off screen. To isolate Thomason? Again, to Because she is the recruitable one? But then, okay... Sure. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm that's true, out loud. If that's true, and I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to come to a right answer here. If that's true, why does Black Philip corrupt Jonas and Mercy first? Right. 
he Black Phillips' way in to the families through Jonas and Mercy. Uh-huh. Presumably, I, and I get that logic, they're susceptible, they're children, they can talk about a goat talking to them. They and can just, sing his yeah. evil little songs and no one will be the wiser. Exactly. Yeah. But the witch kills them, presumably devours them. Yeah, maybe there's some agreement that Black Phillip had. I mean, they, they're toying with them, honestly. Like, that could kind of be it, that Black Phillip's just trying to, like, sow discord and he's having fun with these kids, like genuinely. Yeah. And then when he has no more use for them, when he's gotten to a point where he's like, Thomason will sign my book, he's like, you can have them to this yeah. to this witch. Honestly, the way that I'm thinking about it now, it sounds just like, <laughs> like a corporate situation. <laughs> Where he's like the CEO of hell and these witches like work for him. Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, you, this is your reward. This is your, your bonus is you get to eat these kids because you recruited, you're like, your recruiting of Thomason is successful. It, <laughs> and again, I think this is why, like, I don't know the answer. And I honestly kind of feel like they're plot holes. It's just, it's just like, ah, devil, you know, witch, witch, bad, devil, bad, evil. The end. This movie this movie's premise is not devil bad, but... It is a little bit. She, the only person who's ever really nice to her is her dad, and Black Phillip kills him horrifyingly. Uh, that's true. After, kills him directly after he, uh, boards up Thomason in a Not barn. directly after. The next the morning. Next morning, after the kids are already dead. Okay. I'm just saying, I don't think that... I don't think that there is a moral around the devil in this situation... Sure, this movie is interested in moralizing, but again, the ending is victorious. It is. And I actually wrote that down that I think it's a little easy for this movie, to be honest. For um, the ending to be as triumphant as it is? Yeah, because uh, the end feels to me, and I don't hate this, but the easiest way to kind of read it is that she now has found a, like, new family. Ah, uh, Yes. That is also how I feel. Yeah. And that is why I hate it. Right. That it's like, oh, you like you had this family that was super mean to you, specifically mean to you because you are a girl becoming a woman and everybody's afraid of your sexuality and everybody's afraid of your confidence and your power. And so you have to kill all of them. And now you can be with your like your sisters who appreciate you and you can all douse yourselves in blood and dance around the fire. And it's like all about like being a free woman. And free sexuality and free in this time period of very yeah. rigid femininity. I think that that's fine, but I think it's easy. I think that so far I've been the one defending this movie a little bit more. Uh-huh. I think that I disagree so completely with the ending. I think that the ending of this movie... And you think that's the right, that's the reading of it that you would take? This free, free What you just said is yeah, correct, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, I, because I, I think that the ending misses the point, which is crazy to say about, you know this movie that I, right. I didn't make um, because it, it it shouldn't be about her leaving one family unit for a more fulfilling one. It should be her breaking free of those shackles, right? Of any of, family unit? Of society and of the restrictions being placed on her. So I think it is... It, it is that a, is what it is. This is a liberation story. Yeah. But she replaces her family with this new one. Right, because and she's think... still... This is the inherent part of it that is irritating and why it can't really be like it can't be f- big quotes here feminist because as much as the ending is like, and then I joined my sisters. She still signed her soul away to the devil. I certainly hope that people don't call this feminist. It, I'm sure people did in 2016 when it came out. I'm near positive. I think you're totally right. And this is the same 
not to bring another thing into it, but this is the same problem that both of us have with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which right. is that it does not know what it's trying to do with, like, this, like, sort of woke, like, girl power thing. Yes. And also the inherent patriarchy of the of, system of that they love. Witch. Like, yes, of Yes, of any witch system where you have to sign yourself away to the devil. Like, anything like that, it doesn't matter if the coven is all women and you're all, like, doing nothing but just, like, I don't know, killing men and chopping their dicks off all the time. Doesn't matter. You are, your coven is run by Satan. He is a dude. <laughs> Unless you're telling a story where Satan is a woman or some kind of non-gendered angel. We're, in this, Satan is a straight-up man. He wears a hat. He has a mustache. And in... <laughs> like, it's the patriarchy in, still, my friends. In Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, that's text. Like, dealing with that is text. Here, right, here it's, it's just totally... Yeah. Like, off to the side. And I, we could be giving Robert Eggers far less credit than he deserves. Maybe he wasn't trying to say, oh, and then she joins this coven of women. Hooray, women. But that's what it feels like, and that's what I feel like the conversation was. I don't understand another reading. The movie ends with her smiling and flying into the air as she joins these. Like, yeah, it is. It Naked, is. It is a liberation moment for a character that we have spent an hour and a half watching her go through the ringer. Mm-hmm. I do not understand a reading of it as anything other than triumphant. Yeah, and again, I just think yeah. that like that's. I get what he's going for. I just think that it's misguided. And that's mm-hmm. okay. I just think that that's why... If we're getting... Like, I've been defending this movie for this whole episode thus far. If we're getting into why I like this less than everybody else who thinks it's a five-star movie and one of the best movies of the decade, I just think that it's a little confused in what it's trying to do. Yeah, I fully agree. I think it's I think it's pretty confused. And I... Yeah. Does anybody ever talk about how Black Phillip looks like Johnny Depp? I don't know. Do you really feel like you saw enough of him to gauge that? You get like one shot of him, his, like, his face just peering over her shoulder. In the darkness. It's in the darkness. I don't. I don't know that I could say. It looks like Sven Gulli too. Oh, fair. He does look like Sven Gulli. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? <laughs> I can't hear that line without laughing. Now it's been memed too much. I'm like, sorry, Robert Eggers, your movie got memed, and now I can't see it without laughing. Listen. listen. I think I tweeted this at one point, but I would like to live deliciously. <laughs> like, if I'm given the option to live deliciously, yes. We do. We live in a Satan-infested, delicious world now. We all, like, butter and pretty dresses, and we live deliciously. Do we live talk- in a delicious way that Thomason in 1630 could not even conceive of. Literally. We're a liberated world. Or now we're liberated. We're not liberated. We're, we're in different shackles. It's called social media. Look it wow. Up. <laughs> Really makes you think. Really makes you think. We live in a society. Do you want to talk about um, some of the really good scenes that you mentioned before? Some of the stuff that, like... I think when we were talking about this off off mic, I almost said camera. Off camera. It was also off camera. We talked about... We're still off camera. <laughs> we talked about how there's, like, a lot of little moments of brilliance in this. Yeah. That I feel, like, shine through. And when I watch this movie, I see those moments and I'm like, wow, that's fucking something. Um, I think the, yeah. the the thing that I cited was specifically Mercy is singing her bra bra King Philip the Black da 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 yeah, he'll yeah. knock you on your back and it's just slowly zooming in on the back of her head we don't see her facing it and it's just so and the second that she says back like that Caleb yeah. screams from Caleb inside screams the house from inside the house it's I, like <laughs> why does everyone think Thomason's a witch that was a super witchy thing to do Mercy you just did a fucking spell literally. What the fuck? Uh, and I think, like, it's a testament to, like, you don't have to show her doing anything, like, inherently, like, malicious. Because I think she probably is doing a spell. 
Um, or yeah, she's just wh- doing whether what, or not she knows she is. Yeah, Black Phillip told her to do. Yeah. Um, I just find it so interesting to like make this first again. It's not zooming in on her on her on her face. It's not zooming in on no. on Caleb. Uh, it's just the back of her head. I think I think Caleb's death scene is also like pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's very sexual. I remember being very um, struck by it in the theater. Yeah. Yes, it was one of the it was one of the scenes that leaving the movie theater, I was like, "That kid is great. He's a great actor. It's really spooky. It really um, combines all the elements of the supernatural with the religious that we've been seeing. Oh yeah, like that's I think the most like just him like calling out to Jesus Christ, and then he sees him and he's so beautiful. It is sexual, and he's like a eight year old child. That's something. Well, he's the mother accuses Thomason. Of existing and therefore tempting Caleb into yes. sexual sin. She's growing sin. breasts and therefore. Um, I mean, and he, and again, does, he is looking at them. Yes, but there's no. She's not wrong. Their relationship. This is the other thing that's so tragic about the movie is that like Caleb and Thomason's relationship isn't anything other than siblingly. Like Caleb's no, the only member of the really family nice. who's like nice to her. Her dad is too, but he's got well, bigger problems. Sure. Caleb is really nice to Thomason, and they do get along. The two of them are united in the same way that Jonas and Mercy are. There's yeah. a point where it's like two versus two after Sam is gone. Um, and the they mother, go into the forest yeah. together. But the mother misreads their like affection for one another as sexual, and that's really well, sad. And also that he is... We don't know that he's actually attracted to her in any way, just that he is looking at her chest two times in the movie. But like... He's a one. He's a child. He's a child, and also probably still prepubescent. To be honest with you, yeah, he's like eight or nine, maybe. And it's more, it's less sexual and more curious because other than other than his mother, he she is the only girl that he knows. Yes. So it's more just this feeling of like he can't take sex ed classes, so he's just and his conf- his parents sure as shit aren't going to aren't going to talk it. to him about it. So he's just like, what is the other? What is this other body that is not my body? It's not inherently. I actually I wrote down a really snarky note about like this being the third pseudo incestual. Uh, oh my god! Like <laughs> moment in a movie, and that's three movies that we've done. This deserves this, more credit than that. And it's the least of them. Like we've actually worked down the line. The third, the, the mansion, Le Manoir was the worst, and then last time it was in in the tall grass. It was just sort of kind of a offhanded mention and this is really honestly i deleted the note because it wasn't even really worth talking about until it becomes part of this conversation just that it's like it's not sexual he does not want to have sex with her he's just curious about his own body and And hers he's curious about the witch's like sexy body that he that she takes to to seduce him i forgot that this adult witch i mean just even that she kisses him i was just like oh my god i don't want to see this like adult woman kissing this child it's so horrifying when he returns to the farm He's naked, right? Yeah. Like, and he has the bite, like bites around his yeah. Mouth like, there's the Caleb's. I don't know what I want to use, but like, downfall is very sexual. Yeah. And then when he's dying, he's calling out. He's talking explicitly about like Jesus's kisses mm-hmm. and like being in his lap. Yeah. Like, it's this very erotic. Like, I mean, again, it doesn't feel out of place in terms of the way that fucking biblical stuff. No, that's is. how that's how people of that time wrote about God. But and Jesus, but given right? like, Caleb's journey up to that point. It just feels like this interesting, like, uh, channeling of his burgeoning erotic energy into mm-hmm. God. I think that's what a lot of people did, honestly. The people were like, I'm feeling sexual feelings. It must be for God. Or At Ge- Sufjan Stevens? 
<laughs> Sufjan is the continuation of this. I was thinking of John Donne, but yeah, that's sure. Sure. <laughs> Do you have anything else? I have a couple other things that I just want to. Uh, I know. Shout I, out. I'm sure the other scenes that you want to talk about involve um, the mother, because she Both has of some them do. really good. Was it, is it the bird and then also her death scene? Both. Oh my god, nailed it! The bird is great. She has a dream after um, Caleb is gone that he's come to her with Sam, and she is going to breastfeed Sam, uh-huh. and she, you know, is holding him to her breast, and then it cuts away. What's what is what's happening directly before it? Do you remember? Because it's a it's a very sharp cut to an angle we haven't seen before of her sitting upright in a chair, laughing. Um, it's, a, I believe it's um, Jonas, Mercy, and Thomason in the oh screaming. Yes, yeah. there's a scream, and then it cuts very, very directly to this scene. Of, like just one shot of her in the chair, and a bird is pecking at her breast, like a raven, like a raven, huge bird. It is deeply horrifying. It's a great shot, and it's not a hallucination because she wakes up the next morning and like her oh yeah the front of her nightgown is like bloody oh no this bird did straight up come in and be like oh you're you're i'm gonna eat you that's fine the other is her death scene Mm -hmm. um and the thing that struck me when i watched it two times ago um is that when her mother is like beating her and then choking her uh anya taylor joy is just saying i love you i love you and it's, it's so really sad. fucking sad because, like, this mom doesn't fucking deserve that. No. Like, does not deserve Thomason's love. She is nothing but cruel to Thomason. Since, from and the Thomason very beginning of the movie. is still just like, I love my mother and, and wish that I didn't have to, like, hit you with this knife to yeah, stop you from she, killing me. She waits until the last possible second to kill her. Yeah. It's very sad. It is. It is purely self-defense. Yes. And it's very. And she doesn't want to. You can tell the whole time she's waiting for her mother to like relent and get off of her, and it never happens. And then when she does hit her to stop her from choking her, she just lays there basically hugging her. Yeah. Like. And she doesn't look either when she's when she's hitting her. No. She like has her eyes closed and she's just. It's clearly such a horrible moment for her. So sad. It's very sad. Anya Taylor Joy's killing it. She's a great actress. She's wonderful. I wish she was in more things that were good. She's going to be in the New Mutants next year if it ever comes out. Thoroughbreds is her best performance. Everyone go watch Thoroughbreds. It's not a horror movie, but it kind of is. The other girl in Thoroughbreds is even better. Olivia Cook? Cook, yeah. Cookie? They're, they're both great. I don't know what you're talking about. They're both great. They're a good combination. They're very different in the movie. Uh, I feel like someone could write some kind of thesis on, like, hair in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> because we see, uh, obviously, the girl's hair, all of them, all three of them, are is up uh, all the time, the whole movie, except for the very end... Uh, her mother's hair comes down first. Yes. And then hers comes down. When? When is when is because she has her hair in two long braids that are then pinned up over her head the whole movie. Yeah. And at one point they come, the braids come down. I think it's when her mother's beating her. Yeah, I think it's when she's like thrashing her head around. Yeah. So then she's got these two braids, and then as she goes and sits down at the table, they're kind of coming untwined. And so then by the end, her hair is fully down. And that's a very symbolic. Yeah. I don't know really of what because it could be liberation, but with her mother it's more like insanity. Coming unhinged. Yeah, so there's a, there's a argument to be made of both or some kind of combination of women being so um confined in this time period that becoming unhinged and insane is a form of liberation, right? To be able to express one's true feelings and lash out in any kind of way is a privilege. Am I going yeah. somewhere with this? No, I, are you, I think there's something here. <laughs> I don't know where it's going, but there's no, something there. No, but there's there. something 
fair. I think I, I like it. That's the way I, feel I love. About, I love hair symbolism. This is the way I feel about a lot of things in this movie. Is that when I watch it, again, there's a lot of things that I really enjoy about it. Obviously, there's a big flaws that we've talked about. But the reason I know that I don't dislike this movie is because I have too many thoughts about it. I have a lot of feelings. About right. It. There are things I want to talk about. I joked that I like want to write an essay about this. Just yeah. like analyze all these different thoughts. It's that smart. I have. It's a smart movie, and Robert Eggers is a smart director. Yeah. I don't know. I think. Can we talk about the lighthouse now? All right, can, I, yeah. can I do a little bit of comparing? I do think this movie does more with symbolism than... Not symbolism. Does more with character than The Lighthouse does. I do want to say, if you're going to... If you don't want The Lighthouse spoiled for you, uh, I'm going to put a timestamp in the description. Skip there. Should be too long. You think the this does more with symbolism? Yeah. No. I think they both do a lot with symbolism. But we had a... You and I had a conversation recently where I had an epiphany about The Lighthouse because I also, unlike most of people in the horror community and the world did not enjoy the lighthouse as much as yeah. I wanted to. Um, which makes me sad because I love Robert Eggers as a person and I respect him as a director, but I don't like his movies and yeah. I don't know what it is about them. And the lighthouse should have kind of been a slam dunk for me because like, I love that time period and I love any kind of nautical imagery and symbolism. And like you said, it's also a cabin fever story. Exactly. And I love both our Pats and Willem Dafoe. Like, and mermaids. And mermaids and giant squid and yeah. the symbolism of light. I love it all. I don't know what about this movie I didn't like. And I think that like what it comes down to inherently is that that movie is made up of a lot of concepts and images and it's doing things that don't necessarily have like big meaning. And I like meaning. I just went into some hair symbolism. Like I like yeah. when you can be like this plus this equals this, or like this movie was trying to say this with color or with, uh, well, the doesn't have it color. doesn't have black and white. <laughs> so, I mean, like you were talking about with the I think there's a lot of meaning in, in the lighthouse. There is, but it's not up and down. It's not, um, direct A to B. It's definitely more surreal. I think that it's mm-hmm. playing with surrealism the way that, uh, I mean, honestly, the way that the witch is playing with realism, like right, yes, like, and I think that's I think that's why I do like that you hit it so neatly there. That that's what I like about the witch and dislike about the lighthouse is that as similar as they can be in certain ways and in terms of symbolism, the witch is playing in deep realism and and relatability is the wrong word because it's not about being relatable, but it is something about humanity and humanness. And I find what I mean. The characters in Lighthouse are insane. They're they're, like, they're not people. Yeah, they're not. They're humans. caricatures. They're like they're not. It's not even like caricatures makes it sound like funny. I mean, it's a no, funny movie, but are, like it's they're more. Sim- they are symbols. They are they are objects. They are storytelling machines. Like I mean, they're just. To be honest, there's a point at which uh, Willem Dafoe gives a angry speech about uh, well, fucking Poseidon yeah. Yeah. and. Sitting there in the theater watching him, I swore he stopped being human. Yeah. I watched this face transform into this gargoyle, and I was like, what am I looking at? Because it's not a human man. Right. It's not Willem Dafoe. And they don't behave like humans behave. And yeah. they're not supposed to. And they're, they, I mean, it's it's just a completely different form of storytelling where there is no connection to be made. Yeah. Right? I can connect with Thomason. I can feel her pain as uh, an older sister and as someone who feels put down and like searching for some kind of liberation, uh, you are not supposed to connect with anyone in the lighthouse. They are not, they're not there for connection. They are there to create beautiful stage pictures. To delight and and mystify. And mystify. And I, so I, 
while neither of these movies are particularly my speed, I did find something more in The Witch to love this time. I think so post you... post The Lighthouse, seeing that I that there was something there to love that I didn't have in The Lighthouse. So you like The Witch better of the I two? I think so, yes. I mean, again, that's not a controversial opinion, but... Is it not? Do people not like The Lighthouse as much? People like The Lighthouse. I think that it's... I mean, it's fucked up and weird. Also, I mean, like, as evidenced by the, the timestamp shenanigans, like, a lot of people haven't seen it. Yeah. It did not get the widest release. The Witch was released in... more. Actually, now that I'm saying that... I actually don't know. We went and saw it... I went and saw it when I saw it in a very random little theater, like, way, way, way downtown, so maybe it wasn't showing at any of the AMCs near me. This is stuff that I can try to find on Box Office Mojo. The Witch has, uh, again, Lighthouse has been out for a long time, made like four times as much money. It was in 2,200 theaters, which is pretty respectable. Mm-hmm. Can't find that for Lighthouse, but I promise you it's not 2,200. I definitely think I like The Lighthouse more, but I think that, like, I love that impressionistic or, like, surreal or, like, uh-huh. even postmodern, if you're going that way. Like, that, I think that, it's postmodern. That is my shit. Uh, I, I think, think this, I, yeah. I think I saw people talking about with The Lighthouse that it's, like, it's weirder. It's way weirder. It's way weirder. It's less commercially appealing. I think that there's just an element of like... <laughs> I don't know if this is true or not. That's why I say somebody say. Filmmaking can sometimes just look cool. Fuck yeah. I'm putting that out in the world. I, th- I think I saw someone say on Twitter about The Lighthouse. That it's like, you want to be able to look at something and be like, well, what does it all mean? What, what, what's the thing I'm trying to say here? And there's a specific shot of the lighthouse that just fucking looks cool. And I don't know if it means anything. I don't know if Robert Eggers was trying to make it mean anything. It's just a great fucking shot. And I think that there are filmmakers who just want to make stuff that looks cool. And there's like not really anything wrong with that. Yeah. Just, I, it's not, it's never really going to be my thing because I want symbolism and metaphor. Sure. Uh, I want to look at something and be like, oh my God, like, let's really dig into like what that means and what that means about art or people or the world or blah, 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 blah. Uh, but that's not what everybody is doing. And sometimes I can enjoy a movie that's not doing that. And sometimes I can't. And I don't know. It just makes you think. You also don't like uh, silent films as much. And this is like very... I don't know what you're talking about. Aesthetically, much like a silent Who film. Who says I don't like silent films? What silent films do you like? I like um, the very first horror movie that, um, <laughs> yes, one that we watched. Okay. What is it, like, Night in the Haunted Hotel or something like that, whatever it's called. It wasn't a hotel. I don't know. I think that, like, The Lighthouse is like, you're right, that sometimes shit just looks cool. It's like eye candy for people like me who uh, can't watch a movie without thinking about... Where the camera is. Where the camera is and yeah. how it's made. I mean, we. I don't know if we talk about this podcast, but we, we saw Crawl this summer um <laughs> alligator film yeah with the alligators or crocodiles i don't know i don't either i don't remember anymore crocodiles i feel like alligators are in florida okay alligators i don't remember i don't know i'm looking i'm looking crocodiles it up. are I'm in africa it for sure so it's alligators i think it is alligators crocodiles are on the nile hmm because it rhymes with nile um oh the film with kaya scotelario and she's in florida and there's a hurricane and there's gators in the house and it's a perfectly fine movie, ladies and gentlemen. Like, it's fine. It's I liked it movie. a lot because I spent the whole movie being like, damn, the camera's here. They're clearly in, like, an actual water tank. The actor's doing X, Y, Z. And I was like, damn, this was this was a feat to pull off. And, like, this, this cinematography is really interesting given the circumstances of where they're shooting. 
And I personally don't ever want to think about a camera when I'm watching a movie. If I think about the camera, I the director hasn't done their job, in my opinion. It's like lighting in theater, where I'm like, I shouldn't notice it. It should be it should be flawless and seamless, and I should feel like I'm in the room. I often feel like I can't turn off noticing what the camera's doing. That's fair. Uh, but I like that. It's not like like this is a curse. Uh, it's it's something that I like about movie making. Um, and the lighthouse makes you really aware of the camera, and makes you really aware of the aspect ratio. And the way that things are staged. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like that. Fair enough. Also, I had a lot of fun. There's too much farting, but... There's a lot of farting. I was thinking about you when there was a lot of farting. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, but it's a fun, crazy, fucked up movie. Yeah, it's crazy. Is that enough about The Lighthouse? Yeah. What else do we have to say about The Witch? The Vivage? Nothing. I, I looked at all my notes. I Actually, that's not true. I wrote, this movie is the perfect length. It is. It is. It is so... Oh, man. It's a tight 92 or something. For being as boring as it can be sometimes, it moves really genuinely like... This we watched movie, a two-hour movie last night. I was going to um, say, the movie we watched last named. night is a lot, lot more boring. That was like... It felt like four hours, and this movie felt like 90. And it was 90. It was perfect. Can't wait for people to speculate about what movie we watched. Are you ready for this movie to be uh, gored from the side by a giant black sheep? <laughs> yeah, of course. Before we pull up the roulette, we did want to say, we teased this, we have loved Netflix and what it has given us. Have we? I think so. <laughs> Some of what it has given us. But they don't pay us. So we have no loyalty they to them. They should. Yes, they Where's should. Where's the sponsorships? But because they don't, we're going to expand our search parameters. Yeah, finally. Uh, so we are going to... We're still figuring out implementation of this because the roulette... Is a... It's complicated, and the thing we're not going to do is just quadruple the number of items to update (laughs) and take off depending (laughs) on the month, and then cross-reference to see if a movie is on any of these services. But we are going to start looking at Hulu, Amazon Prime, Shudder, for other things to watch. Um, We're probably going to start doing that in the new year, in 2020, but it's exciting. We're going to have more movies to see, and again, if Netflix wants to buy us back... (laughs) They're more than welcome to. It's super to. easy. Also, hey, Netflix and Hulu and HBO Actually, it, and Shutter and every streaming service. It'd be really cool if you had some sort of like, I don't know, tool where I could go onto your site and click like, I don't know, like random or something like that. And you could just give me a film. That would be fucking baller. Wouldn't that be a great idea for people who are just like always searching on Netflix looking for something to watch? Yeah. And it could give you something based on like your taste or like based on genre what you're in the mood for. Just saying, I think this could be a huge money making opportunity. Reach out to me with your thoughts, Netflix or Hulu or Shutter or HBO or Disney Plus even. I don't know if there's going to be horror movies on Disney Plus, but if there are... I think Halloween Town's on there. My favorite horror movie. <laughs> Mr. Boogity's on there. What is that? Don't worry about it. Uh, if any If any streaming service would like us to be exclusive... We will absolutely take your money and be loyal. <laughs> but because, again, I think also when... It's not like Netflix wasn't producing original content when we started this podcast, but I think that the way that Netflix is basically a studio now makes me feel a little different about treating them just like a streaming service. It's I mean, different, yeah, 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 We do a lot of Netflix films on this podcast, like Netflix We do. Films. I like that Netflix produces horror movies also. But it, to me, it has gotten a little bit more complicated for us to be not paid by Netflix, and just do constant advertising for them. I agree. They don't need it. I assume you agree, because we had talked about this already. I'm just telling everyone. What if I just sat here in silence? I don't know. Maybe I'm super Netflix loyalist over here. 
So so stay tuned for that. If you have any suggestions of how to get Netflix to notice us. <laughs> or how you would like the, the podcast <laughs> format to change, then we're we're happy to hear listener feedback on that. But in the meantime, we still have a roulette. We do. It's still only Netflix. Sure is. So why don't you roll it and see what we find? Our roll next movie will be Malevolent. I don't know what this is. I think it's a Netflix movie. Netflix made it? Yeah. Ironic, given all the shit that I just said. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it's from 2018. Mm-hmm. Directed by a guy named Olaf. Count Olaf? Yep. Not the one from Frozen? Two? <laughs> uh, and it stars Florence Pugh. Oh, wow. That's good for you. What a boon. So we can just talk about Florence Pugh. Evan's obsessed with Florence Pugh, for those of you who are not aware. I mean, now that we have this opening... Next episode will be about Florence <laughs> it Pugh. It will be about Florence Pugh. I didn't realize that she had done like other horror movies. Is she our horror queen? Uh, they call them scream queens, but... Well. She's our May queen. Our May queen, right, exactly. All right, so next time we'll do Malevolent. Malevolent. Until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to tell your friends about Robert Eggers. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't already know... Uh, and about this podcast, which we do out of love for you. And horror. And Wes Craven. Wow. Thank you for Wes Craven for <laughs> us loving you. <laughs> Thank you, God, for Wes Craven. <laughs> I do feel like I have thanked Wes Craven for every individual one of his movies, basically, at this you point. You absolutely have. Have you thanked him for the people under the stairs? Yes, I'm sure I've mentioned the people under oh. If I haven't... Thank you, Wes Craven, for making The People Under the Stairs, which is like if Spike Lee made a pretty trashy horror movie. Yeah, it's trashy, but I love it. I didn't When I saw it for the first time, I didn't even realize it was Wes Craven. Oh, it's pretty I, good. Now I like love it even more. It's good, but it's not deep the way that many Wes Craven oh, no. films are. It's certainly not deep, but it has a jump scare that really got me at the time. I remember. I did find out uh, on... I subscribed to Letterboxd Pro, finally, and Wes Craven has been in my top 10 most watched directors... For the past, like, five years. Yeah. It is because I make you watch Scream every year. Even before that. At least one of the Scream movies every year. One year I watched no Scream movies, and I still watch, like, five Wes Craven films. Incredible. We love him. Yeah. That's what this podcast is about. It is. All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Luke, sit. Sit. Hey, listen to me. Sit. Luke, lay down. We don't have time for this. Stop <laughs> walking around in fucking circles. Lay down. Good boy. <laughs> Just wait until he's finished scratching himself. You good?